Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Controlled Pairs podcast. This is the fifth episode, I think, or sixth. And uh, today I'm joined by my buddies Karma Cut and Gunbird. Uh, Karma Cut, as you guys all know, was on the podcast some months ago and is a content creator, a good buddy of mine, and uh, a tactical gaming extraordinaire. And now he is also a real steel operator. Is that right, Karma Cut? A LARPer of sorts, I guess, <laughs> they call me, you know. Indeed. And, uh, and they're also joined by my buddy Gunbird. Gunbird moderates my Discord server. He's a, a good buddy of mine. And uh, he's also our resident firearms expert. So we've got like a, a good representative population of, uh, of skill sets and interests when it comes to firearms and games and, uh, and technology. And I appreciate both you guys for being here. I'm really excited to, to have this conversation to kind of recap what was a, uh, a pretty fantastic pretty interesting and pretty unique weekend yeah it was a ton of fun figure i want to start well actually go gumber go ahead and introduce yourself since this is likely the first time a lot of these folks have heard from you yeah uh mike go by gumbird uh been shooting for pretty much my entire life um i build guns as a hobby uh my interest is along those lines as well as tactical gaming and all that entails love it and um yeah and i think you and i first Gosh, you've been around the channel and I guess the Discord server and we've been buddies for, it must be over a year now, like a year plus. Is that right? For sure. That's awesome, man. And I, and the reason that I invited uh, Ryan or Karma Cut and Mike to the podcast today is because um, last time Karma was here, I think we closed out the podcast with me asking whether or not you had any like um, real world experience with firearms and if you owned any firearms or had done any of that sort of stuff or had any interest in doing it, you know, you said... Um, you had a little bit of experience, something that you were kind of interested in, and it kind of spiraled out of control from there, or not out of control, <laughs> into control from there. And so we um, we got back just uh, two weeks ago now from a three-day trip or four-day trip for some of us to the East Coast uh, at a private firearms range where we got hands-on just a ton uh, of different firearms, um, had just awesome fellowship, and uh, just a couple chill nights with our buddies uh, and just got to do uh, a ton of training and a ton of like familiarization on a lot of different stuff. Um, so Ryan, what's your kind of overall take on the weekend, the lead up to it? Um, yeah, like I guess what's on your mind? Gotcha. Yeah. So honestly, uh, getting this exclusive invite, I was extremely excited to attend this this top tier event. Uh, <laughs> honestly, surrounded surrounded by a whole bunch of good uh, guys and gals, it was uh, it was honestly probably. One of the top three weekends of, I would say, my life. Just being able to actually get out there with not, you know, just any kind of guns, but a whole variety of different um, rifles, different handguns, a whole bunch of different experience levels. And also do that with a group of people that, you know, like a, a rather large, I'd say, group of people that, yeah. you know, you enjoy, you know, sharing company and time with um, is is something really unique, you know, because i've gone shooting once before like just once before and that was <clears throat> that was that was a cool experience uh you know actually shooting a gun for the first time and you know you'll never forget that and it's always a unique time getting that you know that first shot out and that first little bit of taste of recoil and stuff like that mm -hmm. but i think the thing that set this event apart from like anything else that i've ever participated in was just the company as well as the scale of what we were dealing with because we went <laughs> 
<laughs> we went straight off the deep yeah. end, right? We, we, it wasn't just like, oh, here, we have one AR-15 that we're going to share between, you know, the 10 of us. We had so many different uh, uh, types of rifles. We had so many different handguns, so many different pistols, so many different... Uh, we, we, we even... <laughs> I remember landing, getting to the Airbnb... And it was like, hey, you want to check out Nods? <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> all right. That was it. Was just wild. I think yeah. the scale of it was was the the biggest takeaway for me. Yeah, I agree. The scale was beyond anything I've done outside of active service. Right, like it's the it's the only time in my entire life I've seen um, that variety of firearm, and more than that, that variety of equipment at one place at one time, and uh, and and with like truly fantastic company and it, and it made for a great time. And then, um, and Mike, I'll take your, uh, take on this here in a second as well. But, um, the other thing for me was like, this was the first time I've ever met up with internet people, um, on this scale. Like there's been conferences and events and stuff like that, that I've managed to link up with people before, you know, blue drink and I got together in, uh, in Florida a few months back with gooms and like, and stuff like that. But this was the first time that like my core group of internet friends, is coming together like at one place at one time. And it was for this, this ridiculous event and like this ridiculous scope. Um, so that was kind of interesting to me. Mike, have you ever done anything like that before? I know you're active, you know, on the West coast with some different groups that does stuff like this, but compare and contrast what we did to kind of what you've done out there before. Yeah. I mean, um, I've been a part of a few events out here. Um, most notably, um, Epsilon outreach group. They do a, annual pew luck which you pretty much get people from all corners we get people that travel all the way from across the country to come out for that um and they we put on a big shooting they put on a big shooting event the same way that we had um in fact it's usually quite a bit more complex because you end up with uh, they run a competition as well during that we didn't quite get we didn't quite get into that level of of stuff here but um besides that i've been to other shooting events um in a couple different states and uh yeah this one, as far as how this one compared, I would say this was the smoothest one I've ever been to. Usually <laughs> there's a, uh inordinate amount of confusion about who's doing what and where, and sometimes it can get a little sketchy out there on the range, but everybody, I was very impressed with uh, getting together with everybody considering the various skill levels, and everybody was very, I don't want to say professional, but, you know, very on what they needed to be do, being safe, but also having a good time. Yeah, hundred percent. I was super safety conscious the whole time. I mean, you always are, right? As uh, around firearms, like period, um, it's always top of mind. But particularly when you get a group of people together who are friends, but friends that are like literally meeting for the first time in person. Like G Man's in the audience. Audience down there. Um, he came out. Hypoxia's down there. She came out as well. Um, it was a. Uh, it was just a a huge, huge crew of people, but um, various skill levels and you know, a group of people that also hadn't trained together before. So you know you know, we did the right thing and we started each day with the safety brief. We did another safety brief before the sun went get down and we put on nods and white light and lasers and stuff like that. Um, you know, and, and we had a, a good med plan and a good, uh, just all those things that you know you should be doing if you're doing this sort of training. Um, and it was important to me that we, we got that right. Um, how did you guys feel like linking up with internet strangers for the first time? Like I'm sure karma, you may have done stuff like this before. It, it was definitely new to me, but, um, yeah, it felt super comfortable, like super natural. As soon as I saw people, I was like, you know, giving big hugs and excited to say what's up. And it, and it felt real uh, normal almost, but nonetheless, new experience for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've hosted a couple of like IRL events within like the, the other gaming community that I was a part of in ops. 
and uh, we used to do Vegas meetups a whole bunch. I've met with my WoW guild once as a kid, uh, which was kind of wild that I was allowed to do that in the first place. <laughs> but <laughs> but it's one of those things where, like, you talk to these guys enough, like, literally maybe tens, if not hundreds of hours yeah. with these other guys. And it's once you get in there, it's a little awkward at first because you're, like, you're putting the face, the name, and everything. Uh, but, like, after an hour or two, it's 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 all gone you're already best buds you you guys know a lot about each other already and it's kind of weird i think the weirdest thing is that like in my brain you guys and, and this is kind of bad of me right but in my brain you guys will always be wired to your online name it yeah, will yeah, be yeah, very yeah, hard yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's gonna be very hard to ever unwire that just because that's who i know you as um, and that's probably like the most awkward part, I guess, of meeting online guys. It's just like <laughs> as you're out in, the, in 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 normal life, you're like talking to each other with like these code names or these online gamer names, and and it, it's it's funny like that. But otherwise, it, it's always a blast when I meet people from online. Yeah, it is that that point on using um, you know handles <laughs> IRL um, is funny, and I just like think back to us having breakfast at Cracker Barrel on Sunday. <laughs> like, <laughs> It's like we are in public right now, and this is uh, we're communicating differently. Um, yeah, Mike, what about you? Had you ever I've, done anything like that before? Yeah, I've done that plenty of times growing up. I'm a child of the internet, so pretty much I, a lot of my friends I've met online. In fact, my my current husband, I met him originally online way back in the day. So um, yeah, I've always been somebody that's like I'll meet, I'll talk to somebody online, game with them. I'm like, hey, where are you at? Are you local? Okay, hey, let's try and meet up. So it's not it's not unfamiliar to me at all. So, yeah, yeah. And I, I guess to anyone who's listening to this and is like, man, that's kind of weird. That it, it's it, it's kind of like a leap of faith. Like I think it is sort of a leap of faith, but it was a leap of faith that was super natural um, for all of us. And I would definitely encourage you guys if you have these friendships online and the ability to link up with these people. Um, it was it was extremely rewarding because like all these friendships that already meant a lot to me are like even more important to me now. Uh, and this is like a core group of people that I know I can lean on. Uh, and care about so I'm, I'm super excited or I'm, I'm super grateful that we were able to do it uh, and super excited for the opportunity to, to be able to do it again um mm-hmm. next thing i kind of wanted to lean into was like the uh event planning piece of it um and honestly like mike you you really were like a, a pillar between you and g-man and like some of these other um you know core folks and, and grover and minnow and hypoxia over the last like year really like encouraging me to do this and like make it happen um i feel like we first talked about linking up gosh it must have been like 10 months ago it had to be like last spring yeah originally we we were talking about it just being you know a thing kind of to get together with just a couple of the moderators and from there it expanded to include you know some other folks and stuff like that um and a big shout out to my buddy gonzo out there for you know helping to bring a lot of the variety to the table as far as the firearms were concerned Um, yeah and he's a good friend of mine from Georgia, and um, so it was. It was. It's a uh, definitely a uh, experience trying to get everything coordinated, um, especially as far as all the moving parts were concerned about getting the guns on site, getting the people on site, making sure everybody's scheduled, yeah. making sure we have enough ammunition. All of, all of those moving parts <laughs> are great. Um, pretty hard to uh, to get going, but I'm really glad it was a success as it was. Yeah, it was like the first time I've ever had to do an Airbnb because like I'm old and lame, you know. Um, and so getting that worked out, and then trying to explain to the homeowners why I need a place to house ten people and like seventy firearms, you know. 
but uh, but it did all work out. And, and we're we're on the subject of like support. Um, I got to send a huge shout out, of course, to to Gonzo, as you already mentioned, for bringing an awesome variety of firearms for us to get our hands on. And then uh, Chris for you know helping find a place for us to go shoot. And uh, and linking us up with really good people, and um, and then uh, I got to mention Neomag and Segura Gear, two companies that I care a lot about that were huge supporters. Not like they didn't pile a bunch of cash on me to you know say their name a lot on a podcast, but what they did do is hook me up with gear to give to my friends. Um, so the dudes got to walk away from the weekend with some like everyday carry gear from Neomag and some. They have this thing called the Sentry Strap, which lets you stage your AR sling that everyone got. Uh, and then in the mail right now is some EDC belts and some uh, some swag from Segura Gear. So huge, huge shout out to those folks. Um, yeah, it's it's crazy that all that comes together. Like you got to find a place to sleep. You got to find ammo to shoot. You got to figure out like uh, you know where uh, where you're actually gonna go shoot. You got to get everybody in town. There's this huge logistical tale that comes with planning these events that I think I underestimated. Uh, and I'm you know it was a uh, it was a lot and uh, kind of went smoother than I could have anticipated. <laughs> Yeah, and that's what's great if you have people who are motivated and want to do something together. Um, it comes together a lot easier when everybody's kind of on the same page about what they want out of it. Um, but the difficulty that usually stems from my experience is just you get people that have different ideas of what they want to do and what they want to get there, get out of a, an event like this. Yeah. So you end up with a bunch of people who end up with competing priorities, and we didn't have much of that at all. And that ended up being a great asset to, to making you go off without a hitch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a 100% accurate take. And, and it was, um, it made the whole thing run much, much smoother having people that were invested and wanted to get it done. Right. Um, I think, uh, next kind of what I, what I wanted to lean into is just kind of how we all arrived to firearms and the natural kind of, um, you know, relationship or, uh, the, the lines of, uh, similarity between firearms and gaming and tactical gaming. Um, you know, of course, uh, my background is mostly military. That's where I've done most of my shooting growing up. Um, as a kid, uh, you know, I, I, my, my dad introduced me to guns pretty early. I hunted as a kid. I grew up in, um, in Texas in the United States. And, and, uh, so that was part of like, you know, growing up in that part of the world. And, uh, it was a big part of just being a kid. Uh, and then of course, once, you know, I was in the military, it was just, it was work and it was, it was fun, but it was work, but it was never recreational beyond really hunting and it really mike frankly wasn't until like the last year when i was like all right i've got this ar in the gun case i might as well buy some ammo and throw some stuff on it and actually go train on my own time um you know as my professional life changes in ways that you know cause me to not be able to do those things as much anymore so that's kind of like how i arrived to firearms or my background in it um beyond just you know carrying a handgun when it's appropriate to defend myself and my family um, and, uh, you kind of said you've been doing it forever, Mike, but what's, uh, what's kind of your way into it. And then we'll put Ryan on the spot to, um, <laughs> give us his, uh, his backstory. <laughs> uh, I mean, I've been shooting since as long as I can remember. Um, I didn't really take off with it myself until after the assault weapons ban expired back in, I think 2004. Yeah. I, I remember being in high school. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like, I was, I have just graduated high school, so. And I think my the first gun I my first gun that I actually bought myself was uh, I believe it was a Romanian AK forty seven. Whoa! So okay. I started off big. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, from there, I started shooting pretty often, and uh, I just kept at it. And um, thanks to playing too many Tom Clancy games, as I you know as I gaming and stuff like that over the years, I ended up with an unhealthy obsession with H and K firearms, and I've since 
really dived into that side and learned more about gunsmithing with those guns and um, having more machine guns available to me. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And then Ryan, obviously you um new to shooting, had shot once before, shot a whole lot um over this weekend that we all were able to spend together. What was um what was your motivation or your interest in it? Like what 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 is it about gear, about firearms, about airsoft, about tactics? Like what is it about this sort of like body of entertainment um that is intriguing to you? Sure. Yeah. I mean, so I've never really been a big gun guy or big firearm guy. I think part of that was just culturally growing up in in Los Angeles or California. It's not really a you know a thing that's on our mind. Um, and then also just like as far as games go, I know I play a lot of tactical shooters. You know, even Tarkov or you know Squad, et cetera, et cetera, with all these different firearms and stuff. The guns are never really what draw me in. It's more of the tactics or the strategy behind it. You know, the big chess game of it all, um, and how to get a lot of people working together. And like firearms are just a tool that is used in in the context context of those games sure. in my mind it's not really like oh you know look at this awesome new gun that we get to use that doesn't ever really hype me up in games um but i think the thing that kind of pushed me further towards you know actual firearm interest was probably airsoft because i got into airsoft more so going like oh i can try to apply some of these tactics uh, and strategies in a gamified sense in real life in airsoft and and you know work on bounding or whatever nonsense with our friends as we goof around with you know airsoft sound grenades and stuff on the field mm-hmm. um and then i started getting to, into like oh you know this is cool like learning about the different parts of my airsoft rifle and like what different type of airsoft guns there were and like that was kind of i guess my segue into real steel and the real steel interest as far as like well now let's see what actually translates from airsoft into into firearms because i think that's a really interesting perspective that coming from that direction it's just it's completely different than i think someone who's come up with real steel is because the the interest in it was never like oh you know this gun is cool but more of like what can i learn what can i apply starting from video game tactics into air taking those tactics into airsoft taking you know, me- mechanical firearms manipulation from airsoft into real steel. So that was like the part that really interests me is like, well, how accurate are these games? Because a lot of guys, when they go from the opposite direction, it's like, well, I know how that works from the real world to video games and analyzing it in that way. Mm-hmm. But I think coming from the opposite direction, that's what was like, oh, damn, let me see if this is like how it is in real life. Like, like, like when we shot that, that full auto, I was like, what's this going to be like? I played it in video games. It was going to be like yeah. in real life. Um, and, and you realize like, oh, with the right, with the right, with the right break and, and the right setup, like this thing doesn't actually move at all. Um, yeah. It's, it's just really fascinating to me. And, and just um, seeing, yeah, it was just a challenge for me seeing, what from the you know artificial slash virtual world actually is translatable to to real real world stuff so seeing the the guns and everything in the variety was definitely a lot cool but i think you guys noticed that like the mo- most of the time i spent out there was with was with grover's mark 18 just running some basic <laughs> some very basic stuff just getting used to like the manipulation of it all and uh just learning the the base mechanics and fundamentals because that was i think the the biggest interest or takeaway for me yeah there's a couple things that I think of when, when you mention that you, you talk about firearms as, as tools, right. Rather than, you know, your interest in the, the machine itself, um, mm-hmm. you see them as tools to, you know, um, exercise tactics or doctrine on the airsoft field and, and use teamwork and, and that sort of thing. I actually, I think similarly, I, I really do. Um, and I think a lot of that for me has just been over the years. It, it hasn't been a, so much as like, what firearm do I want to purchase and put my gun safe at the house and trick out in the way that I want to use. Like that's not been my experience. The experience has been like, 
you know, someone hands you a rifle through the arms room, you know, window, and then you walk away from it and you go train, you know? So like, it was Mm -hmm. never, uh, it it was never, um, you know, I was never as fascinated with the gear as I was, um, what I could do with the gear, uh, to, to use it, you know, uh, inefficient ways. So I, I, I relate to that. Absolutely. And then the other thing that was interesting to me that you said was the natural kind of transition from airsoft or games up to real steel. And I never had considered that people are going the other way as well. And I think that's probably the way that I approach it, you know, cause I probably started gaming. Actually I, sh- I started shooting um, before I started gaming. Cause when I started shooting, the internet didn't exist, <laughs> you know? So then <laughs> I, uh, and then later in life uh, as I, you know, started gaming more, I, I guess that kind of real life experience did translate into gaming experience. And that's kind of the brand now of this like whole thing that I do. Um, and, uh, so yeah, th- th- that's kind of what I just, I thought of right away. I am curious to see how well you thought it all translated next, but Mike, I know you're about to say something. What you got? Oh yeah. I was just going to basically interject about like the, uh, the mechanic side of it. That's actually something, the reason why, like I started getting more and more into having this giant variety of games to the brain today is because I started, I would start playing games and stuff like that. And you start seeing like, oh, that's a, this gun is interesting. I don't know if that actually works. Does that work like that in real life? So I'd mm. actually try and like hunt down or buy that gun and see it, you know, compare it to the video game that way. For like the G thirty six is a great example of that. You know, I was I've always I've seen that get that gun in a million games, and I was yeah. like, I want to get one of these to see if it's just like it is in real life or in the video game. So then I once I had my hands on one, I was like, oh, actually, this thing is completely different than a lot of times the way it's rendered. And that right there can be an interesting driver to end up uh, acquiring some interesting firearms. Yeah, the uh, that's that's a that's a really awesome take. I think what's your expertise, Mike. What it brings to mind for me is like, I feel like I grew up in such a bubble, you know, as a as a service member, um, and for most of that time, I always kind of assumed that as like an armed professional who did it for a living, that I and my peers had not a monopoly, but certainly the highest degree of expertise in the field. Like I just assumed that that was the case. Law enforcement, maybe a close second civilians, a distant third. I just assumed that that was the case. And it's funny because, you know, as you and I started talking and as I started spending more time training on my own, as I started getting tied in with all these other people who are passionate about firearms and training, you know, I learned that like, that is not the case at all. And there's this wide, um, and, uh, and deep just population of subject matter experts who maybe have never served in law enforcement or military, but nonetheless, like I feel totally comfortable receiving instruction from, um, in, in, you know, listening to their opinions on equipment selection. Like I constantly, I ping you all the time. I talked to you last night about a a gear selection, like opportunity, right? Like you are, you're my go-to, um, expert despite us having very different backgrounds. Yeah, I mean, everybody's got different uh, levels of commitment that they can put into certain things. Like, you know, based on what your job is, you're not going to be able to commit the same time amount of time to doing the the research and uh, you know gear acquisition or having the available even available the variety of stuff that you can get on the civilian side. And so you would need to go to somebody that has that kind of time and has that kind of resources to be able to do that. And the same thing with like your experience. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that you, that you've done. I have no inkling about like i don't know how to rope out of a helicopter but i can tell you how to break down some weird german guns you know <laughs> that's true it's true it's good to have uh friends with a breadth of expertise um and then ryan you mentioned the, the full auto thing it's almost a tragedy that the only fully automatic firearm you've shot is that four and a half pound m4 
that Chris handed us because <laughs> you are spoiled, man. Like that was not it, that was not representative yeah, of what yeah. that's supposed <laughs> to be like. Uh, yeah, it, <laughs> I was like so so confused after those four seconds. I was like, is this is this really? I mean, one thing that you that I experienced that was not really depicted was like. I guess if you do have that proper brake setup uh, and it shoots that fly, like all that gas coming back, all, like I remember it coming back and stinging me in the eyes. I remember like not being able to see too much. I don't think that is depicted that that much in video games is is, is the amount of gas and everything that gets kicked up when yeah. you are full autoing. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's a great point. When you tar- start talking about the replication of the sight picture and the experience of actually like the recoil impulse, the gas um, that's expelled, you know, during a, especially the gas operated weapons rather than the the piston guns um that's a great point and a lot of times i feel like developers just default to like making the reticle shake a lot mm-hmm. it's, it becomes a whole different uh different animal when you start firing full full auto and stuff like that and you're having to or even just semi-auto but make, trying to make fast follow-up shots and that's something that a lot of video games just fail outright to depict you know you basically can stay on target no matter what because nobody wants to lose their sight picture in, in the the rds mode you know but yeah in, in real life it's a lot it's a lot harder to do that especially while you're moving around and you know all of this other stuff yeah mm-hmm. yeah and and mike the um do you know the the specs or anything about that gun that that full auto m4 that we shot no that's that was chris's deal there so I, the only thing i know is that it had a muzzle break and i believe it was not sure honestly yeah. i don't know i don't want to i don't want to misattribute the muzzle break yeah. and chris isn't here right now so i'm not going to chime in and like give credit where it's yeah. due or not do um but what i would say for those listening um just because like it's a it's a it's a gaming podcast that talks about like guns and tech and tactics and doctrine and defense and conflict like all this different stuff so it's worth us pausing at times to provide some of the technical background um so we're talking about like a fully automatic firearm as opposed to a semi-automatic firearm or a bolt-action firearm. So bolt-action firearm, classic, you know, hunting rifle, your K98, your Mosin Nagant, your uh, your Remington 700, um, you know, pull the trigger, operate the uh, the bolt and pull the trigger again. Semi-automatic firearm is your typical pull the trigger one time, bang, finger comes off the trigger, pull the trigger again, an additional bang. Fully automatic firearm, you pull the trigger, hold it down, bullets keep coming out until the bullets stop. Um, and you know, here in the United States, cause I know we have a, an audience from across the world here in the United States. Um, it does require us a, a special permit, special licensing to own a fully automatic firearm. We were fortunate to have a, a good friend present with, uh, the requisite licensing. So we were able to like have that experience for everybody. I think everyone got a turn on it. Um, we hadn't mentioned that blue Drake 42 came out as well, uh, but he came out, got a turn on it. I, I definitely ran it. I know karma did. I know Gonzo did. Gonzo put like a 40 or 50 round drum through it, which is pretty hilarious yeah. to watch. I have to put that clip up somewhere. Yeah. The, uh, but it was definitely a, a gassy gun like that, that muzzle break that you're describing. Um, and so again, for everyone listening, muzzle break is a, a device on the end of the muzzle, um, that expels gas in this case laterally. So left and right along like the horizon line, uh, essentially the idea being to, to try to reduce the amount of recoil impulse felt. So in the case of this fully automatic M4, you don't get as much muzzle rise and it's easy to control. And it truly was easy to control. I think everyone that shot it, uh, did not experience muzzle rise. You probably got a little bit of like lateral drift left and right, but like I, I put a full mag through it and was, um, like rock solid. It was, a uh, the, the most pleasant fully automatic experience mm-hmm. other than like a cruise serve that I've ever touched. I don't know about you, Mike. 
Yeah, and I mean, I will say that I believe my 416 was probably smoother, but you know, if it would have run on his lower. <laughs> yeah. But that's Fancy. one thing too about the like the, the the muzzle brake stuff. And that's one of the cool things to me that gets me into firearms and stuff like that is, you know, we're talking about the muzzle brake, but there's a whole system involved in that that makes that gun what it is. For sure. You got your you got your buffer system. The buffer system has to be weighted properly. It has to have the correct spring tension. Um, you've got, you know, the gas system itself with, you know, you have to, there's different, different lengths of gas system on those, um, direct impingement type, uh, ARs and all of these, these pieces come together to make a total system. And that's something that sometimes gets lost in a lot of like, uh, video games and stuff like that is, you know, you slap a part or a sight on it and you get plus five to, you know, what, mm. to recoil or something like that. And that's not really how any of that stuff works in real yeah. life you have to there's a there's a total there's a total uh, picture that you have to have in order to, to get the gun to do what you want it to do and that that gets really interesting for sure and um and so ryan you, you spoke to the similarities and differences between you know gaming and airsoft and real steel you talked a little bit about you know how the recoil impulse is felt and how that's different than kind of what you expected or what's depicted on fully automatic fire what else translated or didn't translate? What surprised you? What didn't? What was harder than you expected it to be? What was easier? Kind of like, what was your overall impression, um, you know, going from a pretty, you know, an entry-level shooter to, uh, you know, getting hands on a lot of uh, things in a, a very short period of time and actually working up to some more complex drills? Yeah, I, I definitely say, so as a disclaimer, it, it all depends on how you've approached your, whatever you're coming from, right? Like if you, if you're playing Call of Duty, right, or you're, 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 doing weird things in airsoft like coming into real steel is still going to feel rather different i've just nerded out a whole bunch watching youtube videos and had the pleasure of like hanging out with some guys who have shot while playing airsoft and i just treated you know the web the, the airsoft you know toys as as realistic weapons as much as i could uh so when it comes down to actual you know actually manipulating real steel firearms there's a couple things that definitely translate and a couple things that don't the things that translate um for the most part is like being able to shoulder the rifle uh, quickly or being able to like be comfortable with it in my hands and know where everything is that definitely translates well from airsoft you know the bolt catch magazine release your fire selector all that stuff mm -hmm. um it's it's extremely natural knowing where that, where that is and how to get sight alignment or you know look how to shoulder it properly and get it yeah i, I don't even get, get proper cheek well just because we're doing more heads up shooting um or at least that's 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 how i shoot yep. uh but just like properly being able to quick quickly get up on sites and then pull the trigger definitely translates from airsoft even the recoil um it's just depending on what airsoft gun you're using like a lot of airsoft guns have if you're using electric have a little bit of a thump like in your shoulder just a little bit um but compared to like the mark 18 that i was using from from grover like it's just it's it's a significant amount more but your body is already used to feeling something uh, some kind of tactile response upon pulling the trigger right so you're already prepared for it and you're already kind of know like okay as soon as i pull this thing i'm going to get back on it um the second thing is like the wall on the trigger most airsoft guns don't have a wall but just watching enough youtube videos i'm kind of like aware of like what the wall is and how the wall functions and like uh just like to pull the slack out of the trigger when i come back down so like a lot of it i have to i do have to attribute not only to like airsoft and you know just getting out there and playing but also to like nerding out on youtube because depending on how you're you're absorbing that information i think a solid amount of it so long as you're using your brain will will transfer uh, muzzle awareness i i always try to treat my airsoft rifles as you know real rifles i don't point them if i'm not going to play or shoot uh and then just like uh safety manipulation unless like we're doing that 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 drill where i'm stressed out of my mind uh just 
uh, constantly on safe every <laughs> single time I'm not about to pull the trigger. Um, just very used to that. Like, as soon as the weapon comes up or if I'm moving, it goes on safe. And then uh, when it comes back down, like, I'm, and I'm ready to pull the trigger, it's already on fire. Um, what else is normal? Uh, well, one thing that tripped me up, and, and, and once that footage gets released, you'll see it, is malfunctions. Because you don't deal with malfunctions, really, in Airsoft. It's a great point. Um, yeah, magazine changes feel fine. Like, uh, like all that stuff I mentioned previously with the actual handling of the rifle feels fine. But once you hit a malfunction um, with the Airsoft rifles that I play with, like, I, I freeze up a little bit because I'm like, well, I don't know what to do here. And not only is this not my gun, but I don't want to make the situation any worse. So it's kind of like, a, well, what do I do here? But even I think after uh, we had that conversation after that drill and you walked me through, like, the general basics of what I need to look for, mm-hmm. um, even going back to, like, the Airsoft whole, whole, like, operating the charging handle and, like, the where everything is, the magazine release, like, after I know the steps of, like, you know, tap rack bang or whatever whatever simple yeah. instruction of a sequence of events you tell me just knowing where those things are on the rifle i can execute them so long as i know the order i have to execute them in um but yeah malfunctions i think are the the biggest the biggest thing that do not translate uh, just because it is so difficult to replicate that in any kind of airsoft sense uh but so long as you're you know using airsoft as as you would a a real rifle or or taking that kind of semi you know seriously like i think a good amount of it um even my stance and everything like that that all translated well like i i was i i feel like watching back on the footage like i was in the proper stance for for most of my shots regard like without taking any kind of formal instruction ever in my life regarding firearms ever yeah that i, I uh i got hyped like the whole time you were just talking because um a lot of that resonates with me. It's exciting to hear you say all those things. Um, I would say, and I think, you know, Mike would agree with me is as soon as we saw you start handling AR platforms, it was clear that you might be a novice shooter, but you knew how to handle it safely and your fundamentals were spot on. I mean, the weapon was getting shouldered perfectly. Um, you know, your, your marksmanship was, was perfectly fine, uh, especially given the, you know, amount of experience that you had. And even, even some of that, like, you know, at the flat range at, you know, 40 yards and in, um, a lot of that airsoft marksmanship, believe it or not, will translate, but the, but the paper never lies. Um, the, uh, but, but you definitely showed that you were confident holding the platform. You definitely knew how to, to get it up to and, and shouldered and engage accurately and change magazines and do like all those fundamentals. Interesting to hear you say that the, um, like working through malfunctions, uh, is something that you can't train in airsoft. And I, I had not considered that, but it definitely makes sense that that wouldn't be an issue. I did laugh a little bit when we were talking about airsoft over the weekend and you were like, yeah, if you ever need to just clear it, you just, you know, point it in a trash can and mag dump. You know? <laughs> I was like, Oh, it's like a clearing barrel. Got it. Understood. Uh, no, that's awesome. And it's funny cause we're going to end up like flipping the script and you and I, we can close out with this here, you know, towards the end of the podcast, but um, we're going to an airsoft event together next month. And it'll be the first time I've done anything meaningful in airsoft ever. Uh, so I'm going to have to unlearn, I guess some, uh, some gun stuff and, and kind of lean on you for, uh, to, to translate the firearm stuff into airsoft stuff. But Mike, wh- what did you think of, you know, seeing Ryan work on the flat range and, uh, you know, witnessing that airsoft translate to real steel? Dude, I was like, I'm going to be real. Like I was impressed as hell. Yeah. Um, because one of the, like you mentioned weapons handling, that is like the number one thing with new shooters is they're nervous about holding the gun. Yeah. Um, and you get a lot. So it makes it dangerous, man. Yeah. I 
I mean, you're dealing with something <laughs> that if you're, you know, if you're not being safe with it, can really cause cause some problems. And but seeing somebody be able to get on the gun and be confident about handle it, handling it, and still handling it in a safe manner and being conscious of, you know, that sure. you're handling a firearm and it's not an airsoft gun, um, was really impressive. And then actually seeing you be able to to move and shoot and like one of the things I watched closely was your safety manipulation because I mm. thought coming from airsoft, he probably doesn't care about you know his safety being on or not because you know it's an airsoft gun but no every i was watched his hand every time he would go through always on safe and i was like man this guy this guy knows what he's doing yeah that's a that's a great point if you own an airsoft platform just treat it like it's real like it's free training um that that is never bad and, and i guess the other risk is it could be negative training if you are you know handling an airsoft toy uh in a way that generates bad habits like that's uh, something that could pose a risk um under live fire conditions. So it, it was kind of cool to see you kind of fall in and immediately start knowing how to work the safety, handle the gun right, you know, do your press check. Like, I mean, it was just, it, it looked super natural. I I guarantee you if strangers like walked up and saw a shooting, they would have no idea that that was like your first time doing any meaningful training. Yeah, it was my, that was effectively my first time like really, really ever shooting real steel. <laughs> but, and, and that's why I had to disclaim, like it's all about your approach from the platform that you're coming from. If you're if you're doing like if you're just flagging everybody at airsoft, oh my gosh, just, yeah. the safety like that's one thing that's gonna freak you out when we go to the event on on uh on you know in 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 the next month is like the amount of flagging that actually happens because I took oh. one of my real still friends that had never played airsoft before to the field uh, when he came to visit LA and he was like I'm getting freaked the hell out right yeah now. that's gonna stress me yeah. out I'll be honest it's not gonna go well <laughs> yeah so it's it's all about making sure that you're you are relatively serious about what you are, what your goals are and what you're trying to achieve and, and how you're trying to, you know, I guess, quote unquote, train. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. sure. I'm, I've got a, I've got up on the screen right now, a list of all the guns that were there. Do you have a favorite offhand? Like, do you, um, I guess, what was your top couple of firearms that you got a chance to touch? Was there any that, you know, maybe you got hands on that didn't meet your expectations or they were totally different? Um, I'd have to say, I'm just, like I, I, I am a, I'm a sucker for the standard. So like Grover's Mark 18 or Gunbirds 416. Sure. Um, just because those are like you know cookie car, cutter like AR15 platforms. Freaking like I, I'm nice a AR15 yeah, platforms. Really nice. <laughs> yeah. Those, those Everyone listening like, like, like yeah, all the gun guys listening, they're like, this these guys had Mark 18s and 416s just out here, and he's like, oh yeah, just the standard stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but I, I think um, in addition to those. Uh, Grover's M17 was a lot of fun to shoot. I love Grover's guns. <laughs> and then uh, the uh, Gunbird's UMP. There's something about that that was very, like, as soon as I shot it, it just yeah. felt natural. It's like, yeah, that mm. feels right. Like, I don't know what it was about the UMP that was like, this thumps just like how, I don't know, whatever game it was, but it just felt so oddly familiar to me. Sure. That was, um, that was believe it or not, the BRN 180 for me. Okay. It, um, that's, uh, yeah, it, there's something about like, I don't know, man, like it, it goes back to the, I, I grew up with like a certain cookie cutter list of guns that I got super familiar with, like AR platforms and, and striker fired pistols and bolt action rifles, you know, were basically the standard growing up. So anytime I find something new that ra- just runs really, really fun, um, and it just feels great. Like it, it stands out. And that was the BRN 180 for me. The, um, the uh you said it was the ump is that right mm-hmm. 
Whose was that? Was that Gonzo's? It's Gumbirds, I think. No, no, that's mine. Is it yours? Yeah. Tell tell yeah. the, tell the world about that firearm. Uh, it's a UM, H and K UMP. Uh, the one the variant I have is a domestically made version by Tommy Build, um, and it's a uh, it's a forty five caliber uh, pistol caliber carbine, and uh, it's it's definitely shoots like a box of rocks is the <laughs> usual. But I tell people it's got a very pronounced recoil because it's, it's a just chunky gun. yeah um it's not like the mp5 you fire where you were like oh man this is so it's a roller gun yeah complete it's the complete opposite of that despite looking very much like an MP5. sure and um yeah it's, it's a rough gun to shoot honestly but that's part of what makes it kind of fun to shoot to be mm. honest did you find it rough to shoot karma yeah yeah i felt like it was definitely as gun versus i, I would say more like a, a box of bricks than, than yeah. rocks there was something like just it was crisp but like solid it's chunky it was chunky it was was chunky yeah it's a gas blowback 45 you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) no that's awesome the um yeah so the brn 180 that was one of chris's guns and it is that's weird i didn't even know that existed like that's how not a a traditional gun guy i am so the brn 180 and mike jump in and fix me if i screw this up at all Uh, but the brn 180 it's made by brownells it's a uh, a new take on a legacy firearm design that kind of got sunset probably you know multiple decades ago um and it is an upper receiver that drops onto an ar-15 lower receiver just using the takedown pins but other than that it's just plug and play um and uh and it is a it's a piston upper with a uh uh, reciprocating charging handle so as far as i know it's probably the most budget way to get a piston upper on an ar platform is that accurate mike uh i'd say so it's it's pretty affordable as far as piston uh versions go and it's it's pretty uh interesting design it's it's more comparable actually to like an uh, mcx than it would be an sure yeah yeah it's like a almost like a budget mcx the um but yeah. but i thought it was extremely smooth as you would almost expect with a piston gun and the fact that this one was like suppressed um probably just uh made it even you know sound and feel even more smooth um so i i really really enjoyed shooting that gun and that was kind of an unknown one for me the one that I, I wasn't expecting to enjoy or even that i was you know familiar with going in that i that i really enjoyed shooting um did you end up shooting the desert eagle at all um brian no, see, like, that's when I go back to where, like, I'm not, you know, I'm not interested in guns as, like, a, a fun thing. Like, yeah, I yeah, was yeah. Right You're just like, that. give me M4s and Glocks. Yeah, I, I've got a book. <laughs> it's like, I, I don't need to experience anything that's going to, like, hurt me. Like, yeah. I, I don't, that's not, like, interesting to me. I will say, though, one of the most aesthetic guns out there was, was Gunbirds 417. Oh, my God. Yeah, that man. Was so good. <laughs> yeah. Now, the 417 was dope um yeah freaking big freaking 308 battle rifle gotta love it just uh and we were just like burning down the flat range at 20 yards with ammo that was like a dollar 50 a trigger pull so we probably owe you a rack of beer or something mike <laughs> yeah i kind of wish we would have uh, gotten to stretch the legs out a little bit more <laughs> on the guns like that but, yeah it was shameful but uh but yeah no it was a beautiful firearm the um the desert eagle what a hilariously unpleasant firearm to shoot um it's like that, yeah like if it's present i'll do it just because you're you're obligated um you know it's like a, a test of manhood whether or not you'll shoot like a 50 ae pistol like <laughs> out of nowhere um and so i did it but it's just 
it's not my cup of tea, man. It, any gun that is like painful or unpleasant to shoot, I'm I'm good on, with the exception of the Spaz 12. I'll shoot that all day. <laughs> oh, see, I I couldn't stand. I can't stand that shotgun. It's just so unnecessarily brutal. Yeah, it is, but it's got character. You know, it makes you feel alive. <laughs> <laughs> nah, yeah, one gun I, yeah. the, go ahead. I was, I was just gonna say one gun I wish I could have shot was uh was the Vector. But like my big ass Asian cheekbones and like the way that <laughs> that Chris had the freaking red dot on the oh, on the vector, low. I could not I could not get I could not get a sight picture. No matter yeah. how hard I squished my face into that thing, just because and like I know G Man too was having problems. It was like I can't see this freaking <laughs> thing. I don't know. I've never felt so gated before in my entire life. I was like, I can't shoot this shit. Yeah. I, I was, I was like, I want to shoot this so bad. Uh, but yeah, that was that was another memory I had. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to. God, there's just so many guns. I'm just, I'm looking at this list right now, folks, and like, I'm not even gonna read it all. But there's just, there's such a phenomenal uh, list of firearms we got our hands on, and I'm sure we've all got like content plans over the next like weeks and frankly months, just based off the amount of footage we have. Um, but, I, but I do need to like make like a hyper edit that just shows every gun being fired at least once. Um, cause there's just some like classic stuff, um, like a freaking AUG, a freak, the Tavor, which I'm an expert on. I have thousands of rounds through, <laughs> uh, the, uh, the, we, we had the M1 Garand, we had the freaking K98 out there. We already talked about the Deagle. There was, uh, so many AK variants. I need to kind of speak on that a little bit, but there's just a ton of AKs out there. Um, yeah, it, it was just. It was absurd. G36, UMP, 416, M4s for days, tons of different pistols. And Ryan, we'll, we'll uh, I'll forgive you for not listing my Gucci Glock at the top of your pistol favorites list. <laughs> uh, I, it was, I, I will say, after I got my grip down, it, it started to, it started to sing. Um, but yeah, no, those first couple, the first couple of times where it, were, it, it failed to like completely yeah, come yeah, back yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like it'd get back into battery she's temperamental like, okay you just gotta you mean, you yeah. mean a clock failed what <laughs> i've got a uh. whole video of me struggling through your thing um <laughs> the uh but no th- there's just there's such a, a wide variety of firearms out there and it was just a cool opportunity to get hands on a lot of stuff and for people that are like considering purchasing stuff or just wanting to gain experience or or confidence um, there's like no better opportunity than, than that, that one that we took advantage of. And I walked away from the weekend thinking like, okay, like I, I, I know exactly what I like and what I don't like and where I would be interested in spending more money in the future, potentially, uh, you know, potentially to, to get my hands on more gear. Um, one of the things we haven't talked about yet is AKs. I went into the weekend having only familiarized on AK pattern rifles before, um, you know, I've disassembled reassembled them at work um know how to run a functions check uh generally knew how to you know operate them but never trained on them like never meaningfully and i had never put live rounds i put some blanks through ak's um in training events before but i never put live rounds through ak's before um and uh, and it was super fun to, to familiarize on on some of that stuff we had uh, uh i think we had what two 74s and 147 there is that accurate believe that was the case most of the ak's were uh, all of uh, chris's stuff. stuff yeah the um the modernized 74 with the the mark three chassis that he had that the yeah. the bandito bill custom whatever with the suppressor on it was pretty cool um my one complaint with the ak i mean obviously phenomenal freaking rifle um it, it, you know there's it is a, a phenomenal rifle to own it's you know done a a lot of small arms combat across the world over many many years 
but the manual of arms is weird, man. And some of the controls just don't work well for me. Maybe that's just because I've grown up on AR patterns so much, but um, the, uh, the safety selector on the right side of the receiver and so far forward that I usually have to give up positive control with my, uh, my right hand of the weapon in order to engage or, de- uh, you know, defeat the safety was, uh, completely foreign to me. And especially someone growing up and just drilled into my head that like, you know, if you got to move, it's safety on dust cover, close, look left, look right. I'm up. He sees me. I'm down. Like that's, you know, how you grew up in, in, uh, in the business and you cannot do that efficiently with an AK. I love that you said dust cover clothes in there. True, you got to. <laughs> Dude, dust covers are meant to be clothes. <laughs> did uh did either of you get any time on the AKs? I did. Um just like you said, like I I don't like the manual of arms for AKs. It's just not for me. Uh especially cuz I've got like smaller hands. It's not like the most fun for me to like reach forward for that mm-hmm. fire selector like and also just uh you can't charge it when it's on say it's it's like it's wacky for my brain. Um but it's fun to shoot. Definitely fun to shoot. Super fun to shoot. Um big Russian hands. <laughs> yeah, he has big bear hands. The uh but yeah, man, when they get going they're they definitely they're fun to shoot. That uh that suppressed freaking 74 with the uh, the you know, M lock chassis on it was a blast, like an absolute blast to shoot. It was just funky to get it going, uh, but I did enjoy it. And I still like kind of want to get my hands on an AK at some point in the next couple of years. It just, uh, you know, it can't be next up on the list. I don't think. Yeah. They're definitely a gun of like, there's something to have, but at least in my book and especially here in the States, it's, it's literally just something to have for fun. It's sure. Not something you should really put any, serious training effort into in my book yeah especially with how hard it is to get like the ammo nowadays especially given world events right now what uh how difficult it might be to get ammunition in the next couple of years for those platforms absolutely the um so i guess uh one thing before i I moved off of firearms kind of one more thing that i I really wanted to discuss contingent on y'all's comfortability with it was um kind of culture and what your thoughts on firearms were prior to touching them and what they are now. So I'll speak for myself. Obviously grew up around guns, super comfortable my entire life with them. However, um, like post-military and interacting with civilians who promoted like civilian ownership of kit and like nods and like, you know, military style weapons. And when I say military style, I just means like fighting weapons, like the reason that weapons exist to, to fight and win close combat. Um, it made me extremely uncomfortable for some reason, even as like a, a military professional, um, you know, later in my career. And I, I don't know that it made me uncomfortable for like a, any list of valid reasons, but it never occurred to me that ownership of that stuff would at some point just become commonplace um, in, in a lot of the United States. And of course, the, the irony is it, it always was commonplace and, and only, you know, in our recent history has that changed. Um, but it seems like kind of culture is uh, swinging back the other direction. And, and really just over the last like six months to a year, you know, talking to you, Mike, and, and, um, and everyone uh, in our core group and then getting out to the range and training a lot more recreationally on my own, I've found the value in maintaining those proficiencies that, you know, I had as a professional in my personal life um, and how like it is objectively good to be able to, you know, operate these things and feel comfortable and confident using them. Yeah, Absolutely. The, um, I mean, I know, and I know that something that that's like that you've 
been around for a long time. Um, but, uh, but I guess when did you lean into that, Mike? And then like, where did Epsilon come in the mix? What's going on on the West coast? Why does it feel so different than the East coast? And like, you know, how common is it to, to own this stuff and, and, you know, train and, and is it part of the normal day-to-day culture, uh, out there, at least in your core group? Uh, I'd say out here, um, since I've, since I moved to Washington, I've been out here about five years now. Um, it definitely seems like the community out here is a lot more active and a lot more social. Um, mm. Like people actually get together and do stuff where um, I think that has mostly the availability comes down to the availability of uh, places to shoot, to be honest. Sure. Out there on the East Coast, everything has to be private land. There's just not the big tracks of federal or public land like we have out here out West. Yeah. So it's a lot easier to get a bunch of guys to get together and shoot out here. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and, and as far as, you know, the culture stuff and all that other stuff, um, I would say I didn't start leaning into that until, honestly, I got that got out here. Um, just because, again, of the availability for me to be able to shoot, getting talking to other guys and realizing, hey, there's a lot more stuff that's available than you necessarily think that there is uh, for tra- you know training options, equipment options, and stuff like that. A lot of times you just don't know what you don't know. Sure. And being exposed to other people that know those things, you know, knowledge transfer. And that's honestly what, for me, is the biggest part about it. It's about um, learning these th- learning things and being able to share those things with other people and, you know, making sure that everybody's kind of taking the understanding of what firearms allow you uh, are for to an extent. It's like for me personally, not to get on a soapbox or anything, but my, my <laughs> chief thing is self-defense is a human right. Sure. Um, as far as I'm concerned. So it only makes sense that you, in order to exercise, in order to be able to preserve all other rights, you need to be able to, to defend them. Yeah. And so in order to be proficient with that stuff, you have to train. And in order to be proficient with that stuff, you have to have the equipment that you need in order to accomplish your goals. Sure. And uh, like I said, it mostly just comes down to finding the people who know things that you want that you want to know to learn from them. Yeah, I, I think that's a that's a really good take, and um, I, I share a lot of that perspective. I I, uh, I think it's a shame that there's not a lot of room for nuance. It seems these days. Um, there's a there's a lot of folks that are like super super pro gun super super anti gun. It's tough to kind of find yourself in the middle. I think it's it's okay to say that like I want um, you know people to be free of gun violence. I think that's a lofty goal. The problem is implementation's a, a wholly different challenge, and it's equally true that I also want people to have the right to defend themselves, their family, their community, their country, um, you know, and, and the things that they hold dear in their life. Like I think you can have both of those beliefs at the same time. Um, the, uh, but, but it is, it's just, it's so remarkably polarizing. And I think my concern is that a lot of times people have these extremely specific views, but they're not informed by experience. Um, meaning, you know, there's, there's a lot of folks who are super, super pro gun, but they grew up in a part of the world where everyone was pro gun all the time. And they've been shooting crew serves since they were toddlers, you know? Um, and equally true of that is that there's people who are super, super anti-gun and they've never seen a firearm in their entire life with their own eyes. And that like, they, they truly have not. And if they do, they would, they would have like an emotional and physical reaction. They would have an adrenaline spike. Like they would see this item that they've had this belief about for their entire life and they'd respond to it 
in in a you know a physiological way like that's how severe that ideology that belief is um and because of there's just so much um connotation culturally around guns uh it's so difficult to have like this nuanced conversation between like a vet a gun nerd and a gamer in a discord channel on a, a saturday night you know like the, the, what we're doing right now is extremely rare um and uh it, it's a shame because i think it's uh you know, being able to handle this equipment, like I said, I think it's it's objectively good. I think it's a good thing. I think, um, you know, I grew up uh, bow hunting white-tailed deer in the South, and it was a an art form and a uh, an extremely challenging task that I learned to undertake. And there was, um, you know, an art to knowing when hair, uh, you know, when and how and why to be at a certain place at a certain time to interdict a deer that was moving from where it bed down to where it ate, and. I think there's an, an equal art form in mastering um, how to operate a firearm, how to use it accurately, how to manipulate it in a responsible and safe way, and how to employ it to, you know, uh, either recreationally or, God forbid, to defend yourself, your property, your family. Like, it, it's an art form just like um, just like mixed martial arts, just like, you know, if you go to the gym and roll and do jiu-jitsu, uh, like anything else. And it, it's just one that's not discussed as openly, perhaps, as it should be, or oftentimes has so much... Um, you know, connotation associated with it that it's difficult for folks to overcome. So I'm, I'm curious, Ryan, not to put you on the spot and certainly don't want you to take a hard stand that you feel uncomfortable taking, but having grown up on the West Coast, living out there in an environment where I think it's safe to say is not friendly to, to what you went and did a couple weekends ago. Mm-hmm. What's, um, what's, what's, where are you at now as far as um, your comfort level with firearms um, I don't think, you know, you don't need to tell us that you need, you know, you want every kid on the block to have a machine gun, <laughs> but I, what's your like snapshot of the culture? Cause you kind of live in a, yeah, in a place I, where it's completely different. I guess I'll give, I'll give, I'll make a couple statements without like taking a stance for sure, for that's sure. even possible. So for one thing is like growing up in Los Angeles, there's definitely a stigma about guns um, that after I've handled guns and like, once you, it, it it all comes down to like like the airsoft thing, like who taught you how to handle it, how you approach it, and how that item is portrayed in your life. Um, whether it's growing up in LA or it's growing up with someone who who has ex- you know experienced firearms knowledge, that's able to give that to you and teach you to respect the item, or the firearm. Uh, I think that is is a very large part in 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 shaping how you you then look at the, the item in the future right of course so i i think definitely growing up in california you have a certain um influence or uh message that is that is sent to you that after handling firearms you you, you and hanging out with people who hang, who use firearms you start to learn oh you know yeah, that's not necessarily true some of these gun laws don't make sense you know some of these restrictions or you know bans or whatever are like absolutely completely silly without saying you know a certain word um (laughs) yeah yeah. but but also growing up in la i'll I'll make another statement growing up in la i've also noticed that i wouldn't particularly feel uh more safe if everyone here had had was carried just because the main reason for that is because i've seen so many people so many average people um or not average people but so many people who live in the city who are normal citizens do stupid shit with their cars or whatever the <laughs> hell it is anything else that like i don't necessarily feel safer if they're also armed like i i, yeah. I understand the, the 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 message that like oh i could arm myself and then i can be armed against these people who are mm-hmm. armed and, and not not responsible but that doesn't necessarily sound like um 
a solution either. I I don't have a hard idea there, but I just know that after living in a city with so many people, I just know that there are <laughs> bound to be some problems if you if you just in in LA particularly because that's where I grew up. Uh, there are bound to be some problems with a mass amount of people with firearms. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. That that's one feeling I have about it. The other the other statement I'll make is. Go, like traveling, and this is why I think traveling is important. It's like traveling to other parts of the country. It's so where, important, you know, dude. Yeah, where where there aren't as many people, right? Or or you know, maybe law enforcement isn't as present, or whatever the case may be. I can completely understand culturally why guns are are so integral to this way of living, or why um they 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 the guns are so big of uh, of a part of their culture. Like it totally makes sense, but I definitely think it has to do with like the environment you're in. And so that's why it's like really hard to make like blanket statements because like all parts yeah. of the country are are completely different with different like the amount of people just the scale amount of people completely differs from one area to another in in addition to the type of people that are there. So I like I said I, I don't have any strong like opinions but like that that those are statements that I'll make. It's like I the things that I've noticed. Yeah. Um so I think that's I, such I, a yeah. uh, sorry go ahead man if you're going to finish Oh, yeah. I, I guess the last thing is just, like, the one thing I will say is definitely familiarize it. Like, if everyone in the country was drafted, right, mm -hmm. or and everyone had to go through basic or whatever and, like, had some very, very basic uh, weapons familiarization, like, I might feel more comfortable with that sure. idea. But, but but at the end of the day, it's, like, I, I think my statement has always been if you if you could – if I could ensure that you know how to handle this, I will let you handle this, I yeah. guess, is my stance on it. Yeah, no, but I think I that's like a, yeah. it's a like it's a well-informed and nuanced take. And I guess the tragedy is that there's a lot of social circles where you're not allowed to say any of that, because um, unless you're a hardliner on one side or the other, you're wrong, you know. But like, um, I uh, I'm I'm super open to like the the nuance and and I, I think it's fair. Like your concern is definitely uh, definitely fair. But what you said about traveling really struck a chord with me. Um, because I think that is like super important. There's so many people that spend their entire adolescence in one place, never leave the country, never leave the state, never experience other cultures, never meet other people, never have their worldview challenged. And so they never grow as individuals. And they, they live this one ideology from the time that their parents tell them what to believe when they're you know children in elementary school. And when they graduate college, they still have that same ideology because they've never been challenged with ones you know that cause them to think critically. Um, and they never grow. And, and I think I've, I've been extraordinarily blessed, uh, to have lived all over the country and traveled all over the world, um, you know, for, for work and other reasons. And, and I hope that I'm able to like, give that to my kids and, uh, and give them, you know, different beliefs that will challenge the way they think and make them grow as people. Cause that's the only way you develop those nuanced perspectives, like the one that you just had. Cause if you spent your whole life in LA and you were never a gamer and airsoft or you never challenged, you never you know, critically thought about, uh, you know, the right to self-defense and, and being able to protect yourself with firearms, you would never be able to develop that nuanced perspective. And it, it would just be a hard line, uh, you know, no. And similarly, if you grew up where I grew up, it might be a hard line the other way. And, and you know, neither of those are necessarily good all of the time. Mike, what, what were you going to say? Yeah, and I was going to say, that really gets to the core what our event was about, um, for at least for me. Um, because like you said, um, Ryan, about, you know, you're not comfortable because not everybody knows, may not know how to you know, handle a gun or something like that. That's why outreach is so important for mm. people who do know how to handle guns. And that's why 
getting this event together with you guys was very important to me was and all of the other people that were involved you know have a very most of the guys honestly that we show with they've only shot a gun maybe once or twice if at all and that's where the message of you know outreach really becomes important because you're right that kind of training and that kind of know-how isn't necessarily easily accessible and sometimes it's taboo depending on where you're growing up so it's important for people who do know these things and do have the experience and the resources to be able to reach out to people who don't um, to take the initiative to actually do that, to actually talk to people and say, hey, maybe we should get together. You guys, would you like to come to the range? Maybe, you know, and sometimes you're putting yourself out there. Sometimes you're, you know, you're burning ammo that, you know, you might otherwise get to shoot and train. But it's, <laughs> if, you're, if you're reaching out to somebody, reaching out to somebody else that's inside of a, I guess a bubble or whatever to, to communicate and to, to give them that experience and broaden their horizons. That's really um, the important thing when it comes to, you know, the messaging of, you know, the preservation of the second amendment, as far as the United States concerned and self-defense and all these other things that come along with it. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I, one of the things that, um, that I was thinking about a lot is uh, we began like our weekend started I think on what the 25th of February Mm. and um, in the, the day prior Russia invaded Ukraine. Right. And so like it was, it was one of those things where it's like, we weren't sure, um, you know, based off travel and and obligations, if the weekend was even going to happen, depending on what was going on in the world. Um, And we were lucky that, you know, everything stayed on track, but we kind of watched the news super closely all weekend uh, and it was like top of mind for me that whole time. And I, and it was telling and, and, and poignant, frankly, that, you know, while a group of friends got together from the internet to go train in the United States, like we also saw all these citizens rise to the occasion on the other side of the world and, uh, and take up arms on behalf of their government. Um, and I know that the idea of like the United States ever facing an invasion is like so far off and, and so beyond uh, comprehension, but nonetheless, like seeing that occur on the other side of the world um, was definitely top of mind or at least a theme in the back of my mind over the weekend. I was like, this is appropriate. Like, um, you know, teaching, you know, uh, adults in the United States, how to responsibly use firearms. Like that is a, that is a good thing to do. And if they're confident and they want to do it and they like having access to these things, if it makes them more confident uh, and, and gives them, you know, this, uh, you know, this, this access to a tool that they've not yet had before, then that is a good thing. And it's a deterrent. Uh, on a strategic level um, that I know that, you know, it had risen in prominence based off world events at the time. Yeah. And that's one of those things of, you're right. You know, the, the idea of like a red dawn scenario or, you know, all these end of the world things that a lot of, you know, you see a lot of gun guys talking about all the time, you know, that crap is honestly like a lot of it is very far fetched, but it's the principle of it, which is why it's important. Um, It's the principle of being able, being self-sufficient, being able to defend yourself, defend your community, should the needs or need arise. That need may never come. You may never, ever have to fire a shot in anger. And that's honestly the, the desired deal. outcome. Yeah. That's the desired outcome, yeah. But it's it's the principle of training for that occasion should it arise. And if you don't do that and you don't outreach to others and don't teach those skills to other people, they get lost. For sure over time and within a you know a generation or two it those people that becomes less commonplace 
you know, bands and stuff like that, we talk start to become more and more commonplace. And before you know it, the entire gun culture itself um, is being rolled back. And, you know, and those far-fetched ideas, nobody knows what the future holds, but it's, you know, there's a, it's better to have it than not need it. That's the entire principle of a lot of, you know, gun ownership. Yeah. Yeah. And I think confidence and familiarity like go a long way. Um, and, and I know, I think everyone that, that came out and hang out, hung out with us over the weekend left more confident uh, in these platforms and just like had a positive mm-hmm. experience. And a lot of times just having a positive experience goes a long way in making you comfortable with them. The, um, Absolutely. And the last thing I wanted to kind of get to, Ryan, before transitioning completely into something different was um, we skipped nighttime, dude. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what was uh, what was that like? First time under knots, oh, first I'd... time with laser, first time passive aiming, first time white light in the dark. I know we were using some Gucci freaking nods, yeah. but uh, it's so crazy how clear that that is. Yeah. It is so cra- it blew my mind. Yep. Because I've been playing Ground Branch, <laughs> where I can't see anything <laughs> out of my nods, and it's just yeah. like this is so unreasonably clear. Like it's 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 astounding how far like that tech has gotten. And I know we're not using the best of the best stuff, but we're still using, you know, some some pretty nice, some yeah. pretty nice L3 tubes, like Wi-Fi's tubes. Like, yep. uh, it, it was, it's uh, it's a game changer, and you can totally see why, you know, um, why they're cool. Because <laughs> I, yeah. I've been talking to Gunbird for a long time, like, oh, do I buy nods? Do I buy nods? And like as we were all saying, like this was a very much like try before you buy experience for a lot of people. Sure. Uh, being able to like get our hands on a whole bunch of different systems and then nods and and even kit from like you know just simple like plate carriers and helmets and stuff and trying different things um it's crazy how many options there are out out there but like for nods alone like it's it's definitely i words cannot describe how much of a game changer it was using using white light was cool uh yeah. but like I, i've kind of experienced that with with airsoft so that's sure. not necessary it wasn't like a like something foreign to me um, but the nods were like, "Oh shoot, dude, that, that was that was sick." <laughs> yeah, how did uh, how did it feel to uh, engage targets using a laser rather than aiming down sights? It was definitely different, and this is so funny. This is so funny because um, when we play on our Arma server, a lot of people complain because they can't they can't aim down their optic with their mm-hmm. nods on, um, and like for the longest time, we've always just been like just passive, just just use your laser. Uh, and I was even talking to Grim, and he's like, "Yeah, I've never looked down my optic yep. with nods." And it's like you can see why. It's because like you really don't need to. It's it's not yeah. really necessary with that laser. It's virtually only an opsec kind of like you know personal security concern. If the adversary has nods, you got to be extremely careful with yeah. strips and lasers. Obviously, uh, that has not been an issue for like all of the GWAT, which is like Grim in my entire experience right. you know so it's it's only recently that people are like yo we shouldn't use lasers as much as we mm-hmm. do we're gonna get shot <laughs> true, true, um true. yeah but no they're super fun to use and and they work exceptionally well especially for reflexive fire equally fast you know in all honesty to aiming down sights in daylight equally as fast maybe faster to be honest mm-hmm. like it's um yeah it's kind of like you're cheating honestly it's wild <laughs> how effective uh it can be um, and nods are again, nods are a complete game changer. I always encourage anybody. It's like if you're looking at if you've got you know a decent AR and a pistol, and you got like a decent setup, and you're thinking about oh maybe I should get a new another rifle and some other stuff. It's like no man, put all of that stuff aside. Get nods first because it is a game changer. Like yeah. Fifty percent of the fifty percent of the time is not is dark. 
That's true. You have no idea if somebody's going to yeah. when somebody else is going to fight fight with you. So, and, and the other thing about it, at least on the civilian side, is I'm sure if, if Karma didn't believe that was your first time, when you look up, man, the stars. stargazing is something yeah, yeah, else yeah. on their knots. Yeah. yeah, that was uh, that was cool, man. That's the first time I've ever had nods on not, uh, you know, in a, a, a military setting ever. Um, so that was weird for me, like just being uh in blue jeans and like a rain shirt, just burning it down under nods. Like that was that was good. I was ground branch larping. Um, that was it was it was a blast, man. That was, God, that was so much fun. Um, it kind of brings me to where I figure we can probably close out of here. Is, is next on the menu next month? We've got airsoft. Um. And that's going to be a first time kind of thing for me. I'm definitely going to lean on you to kind of show me the ropes and uh, and help me out. But I'm I'm excited to you know do a serious airsoft event for the first time. Um, Karma and I are going out. Are we telling people where we're going? Yeah, I mean, okay, yeah, cool. No, we're going out to uh, American Mill Sim, um, the uh, the Iron Horse event in uh, on the East Coast in Georgia. And um, yeah, no, it looks it looks like it's going to be a freaking blast. I don't even have my airsoft gun here yet but it is on the way courtesy of um of pts and aex and um yeah man i'm excited what, what do i need to know like how what if if you had to give someone transitioning from real steel to airsoft what's going to be different like what do i need to oh, be thinking about that that is a so i've never had to go that route um i can only say going from 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 my route it it was it's insane it's insanity i'm sure that you have done training uh scenarios that are even you know wilder uh because like from a civilian perspective it's like the, the ao alone uh, you sometimes they have the helicopters too and then they yeah. have the, the technicals like that that shit is wild from the civilian side uh from coming from like more real world experience um <laughs> it it's it should be a lot more fun i would hope it's a lot more fun it's it's, it's pretty me me out there yeah um but yeah it, it's nothing i think a lot of people when they think of milsim in general across games and airsoft they think of like super super serious like you know down to the that like people just larping like <laughs> complete animals out there but i think in reality it's uh we dress up we go have some fun in a a somewhat structured scenario right where there's like a whole team trying to accomplish a goal sure um but it, it, it's it's nothing like i don't think i've ever had any cringe moments in 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 any milsim airsoft uh experiences it's always been like rather fun and even the guys who like do go really hard you know like task force mayhem and like yeah. all these other guys at, at milsim west and shit like they, they are the ultimate memers you know it's just <laughs> we're, we're out there to have fun i think at the end of the day everyone acknowledges that it is a game like no one is out there trying to larp like we're we're, we're in some active war zone it's 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 as realistic as you can get but the, the the i think one of the core fundamentals is that it it, it it should be fun um so i think you'll have a good time you're definitely gonna see things that uh are going to dare i say trigger you for yeah. sure um uh i'm gonna try yeah, not to it, be too sweaty you know like i'm gonna i'm gonna try to just like take it for what it is i don't want to take it too seriously i want to have a freaking blast like i want to i want to yeah. grab you and greg and and go do some james bond stuff you know and, and yeah. uh, creep around in the bushes and just uh bb murder some kids um yeah it'll be great and uh and i think we're gonna 
hopefully we can capture a bunch of it. I'm going to obviously run my, um, that 360 camera again. And, and I think that'll be really cool to be able to kind of break down various angles and kind of AAR stuff and kind of see everything that's happening all at once. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I don't, I just don't totally know what to expect other than to be patient and have a good time. <laughs> Where am I going to put yeah. all my, I have been thinking about my kit setup because right now it's very much a, um, like a direct action and range setup. Um, I have, I need to think about like water and grenades and stuff like that. I might need to get like mm-hmm. a flat pack or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, flat packs. Good. That's yeah. Airsoft grenades are a ton of fun. See, I, it's, it's a treat for me coming from the civilian side of things because I don't, I don't get to handle like real life flashbangs or anything like that. Well, dude, airsoft flashbangs come pretty damn close. Like if that shit will rock you if you're, if you're standing next next to it if you don't have ear pro on that that like freaking rip to you um there's no like large <laughs> concussion like i i would imagine yeah, yeah, a real yeah. flashbang is but uh that thing will share that scare the crap out of you um that's a lot of fun yeah that sounds so fun i'm all in well and the other thing is like if you do this you know for training if you do this kind of force on force sort of stuff uh in a training environment it's fun sure but it's also work and like you're getting validated the entire time and there's like standards you're getting measured against and a lot of that takes I mean, it's still fun, but you don't even realize it was fun until later. And you're like, dang, can you believe we did that? But it was like, it's already over, you know? So I'm, I'm excited to live in the moment and just do some wild stuff. Uh, and uh, yeah, it, it's going to be a blast, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm that, really that would be the, the one piece of advice I'd give you is like, go into it knowing that it's it's not a real training event and that you can you can meme around a little bit or, 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 or kind of cheek your way around like, you know, sliding around corners and all this other <laughs> funny, funny stuff. Cause, Let's go. Yeah. I'm an athlete. We're going to be fine. Yeah. We're going to be fine. No, that's awesome, man. Um, cool. Before we transition out, dude, Gumbird, you coming or what, man? <laughs> uh, I'm not gonna make that one. I am gonna try and catch you guys at Copperhead later in the year, though. Okay, Copperhead it is. That's in Arizona, right? Correct. Okay. Nah, we'll do Copperhead too. Sounds like a good time. Um, for sure. All right. Well, we have to talk about gaming at least a little bit before we close it out. We got like ten minutes left. What are you nerds playing? Dude, it sounds like dry out here. I know, man. It's brutal. We... Everybody's playing Ready or Not, and the only other thing I'm doing is uh, Onward, of course. Yeah, yeah. I I feel like every time we do one of these podcasts, I'm like, man, when's the next like ultra VR tactical shooter hit coming out? And it never does. Not happening, man. It Not never happening. does. The um, yeah, I I do want to try out the the indoor Onward level that you were talking about before the show started. And, uh, and I also want to go and check out crunch because it looks like it's come a little ways. I like the destruction, um, for those listening onward, of course, is like the premier tactical FPS in virtual reality crunch element. Is it crunch element VR? Is that what it's called? I think so. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, but, but crunch is, a an indie tactical shooter also in VR can be played in co-op. You can destroy compound walls. It's procedurally generated, though they do have some campaign stuff in it now. Um, but you can like blow walls, throw grenades, like shoot through, you know, it has like bullet pen and it looks cool. It looks cool. And you can climb and all sorts of stuff. So I, I do want to kind of check that out and, uh, and see how it's coming along. Um, as far as like first person shooters, I'm not playing a ton. Of course I did a little bit of combat mission recently, 
but those are like a project. Every time I do one of those, it takes hours and hours and hours. And I don't have a lot of yeah. I, hours. I know you. I know you don't have that much time, but like Arma Three has still been uh, <sighs> a solid, a solid experience uh, every every week for me. I know, man. I saw that. Uh, I think I, I commented on Instagram or TikTok, whatever that video was you posted of the dudes. You guys were all doing that MH6 infill with forty sevens right behind you. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And I saw that. I was like, dude, this looks like so much fun. It would probably take me two hours just to get so that installed. Work. Happen. No, uh, yeah, getting it installed. It. See, the thing is, I talk. I know we talked about this before. Well, we we'd love to have you on the lip server because it's all it's all optimized for. I you know me like I I fucking hate wasting time doing doing setup and all the briefing everything. <laughs> yeah. It's optimized so like I can just hit. We just schedule the restart. We hop on. We get the guys in. I look at what I have. Make the plan. Go. <laughs> it's yeah. Just like, within thirty minutes, server start. Thirty minutes. We're 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 going. We're going. Yeah, no, nah, I love it. But, uh, I, it does sound ideal. I saw that clip of you doing that earlier, and I was like, man, I, I just need to reinstall it just to have it ready. At least like get make sure it's up to date with mods installed, um, and then do like a, a controls, you know, refamiliarization to make sure I'm not completely green going in. I just um, need my radio keys, dude. <laughs> yeah, true. I'm mapping radio keys. That's all I'm doing. True, true, true. Especially if you're like leading. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Moose school's over in stage chat saying all you do is design fleets. That is true. I'm gonna that. <laughs> nah, that's um. I'll, I'll I will commit to getting Arma at least reinstalled and being available for opportunity. Hey, you have an Ethernet cable now. I do have an Ethernet cable. <laughs> I have moved into the 21st century, folks. I have an Ethernet cable. Um, some of you are surprised that that's news, but it is. That is that is a new thing. The um no. So I will I will do that. So things I'm excited about. I'm excited about playing airsoft. Excited about playing some Arma, and uh, and we also need to schedule another weekend like the one that we spent the last oh, hour yeah. and a half talking about. 100%. All right, well, I'm gonna start wrapping it up. Closing thoughts, comments, alibis, Gunbird. What's on your mind? Uh, all I can say is, wait, is this like dad advice? Yeah, sure. What do you got? <laughs> uh, I would say uh, if any of you guys are out there that are you know into guns or anything like that, um, make sure you're taking the time to talk to people. Um, even people that you may not normally associate inside of, outside of your shooting groups or your buddies or whatever, um, and educate people. Like, um, be a, make yourself self available to answer questions. Make yourself available to go shooting with other people. Make yourself available to go teach and put in the effort and sometimes even the money to to get people out to the range and hands on and some time on a gun and. That's going to be the key to preserving the Second Amendment and preserving a lot of the other principles and stuff like that we talked about. So that's pretty much my goal, and uh, hope that you know everything I've done with you guys so far has helped push that forward. So that's all I can say for anybody else out there. Boom, love to hear it, and um, I will shamelessly plug one. If you're on the West Coast and you're interested in getting tied into uh, this sort of stuff, reach out to Mike, aka Gunbird, on our Discord server. You can get you tied in with Epsilon and that group of dudes that are out there doing good stuff. And uh, and Mike, just publicly, thank you for being my gun nerd over the last year and then coming out to to shoot with us over the uh, the weekend there a couple weeks ago. I have to do it again in the near future and definitely looking forward to getting out to Copperhead with you, um, you know, this, uh, this fall. Absolutely, man. All right. Karma Cut, what's on your mind, my dude? Uh, just extremely grateful to have participated in that banger out of event. Uh, looking forward to, to doing more airsoft stuff. Um, looking forward to shooting more real still. Yeah, I'm just excited for what 
this has basically started because I, 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 I believe this is the start of something, something amazing. <laughs> I think so too, man. I, uh, I agree. I share your, your thanks. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm so grateful for, uh, for, for both of you guys. And then for everyone who came out over the weekend, um, and this just core group of, of good dudes that we got together between the real steel stuff and the game stuff and the airsoft stuff. And then just like hanging out with good people. I know there's a lot of, um, good stuff in the future. And if you ever need to get a proper firearm stored in a safe place that isn't in the state of California, reach out to me, Ryan. I'll make sure uh, we got you covered uh, so, that, so that we can put it in prison for you somewhere so you can shoot recreationally and anytime you want to buy a plane ticket. Um, no, nah, man, but uh, definitely looking forward to Iron Horse here in a couple of weeks and, uh, and we'll have uh, some badass content coming out for, for everybody. So if you guys are interested in hearing more about the weekend that we've been describing, stay tuned, certainly to my channel. I don't want to promise that what Ryan may or may not release, but we've got some uh, really cool stuff coming out. Um, and, uh, and I'll be pointing you guys towards that on my channel, and all my socials. Uh, and then certainly after this next airsoft event, we're going to just release a ton of stuff coming out of there as well. Uh, I look forward to kind of sharing my initial take on what recreational force on force is like in an airsoft environment. And, uh, and yeah, we got a couple just interesting perspectives on a bunch of different interesting stuff coming up. And I'm so grateful that you guys are all here to share it with us. And, uh, yeah, that's all for today, guys. See ya. Someone hummed that song that I always put on my outros. You know what I'm talking about? There you go. <laughs> all right. Yeah, that was good. That was good.